Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. Kat Johnson kicked the season off with an episode about food and football, so now we're turning to one of my favorite sports, talking about cookbooks. We'll take a sneak peek at a few recipe breakthroughs that Rose Levy-Berenbaum discovered while working on her 12th cookbook. You know, so this was such a eureka thing. People ask me if I still keep learning. And yeah, just thinking about it and trying to find a better way. It happens. And hear about the challenges of writing a book about alcohol from HRN host Souther Teague. The history of drinking is very blurry. Because people were drinking and no one was writing, taking notes. Plus, we'll get all the expert dish about the most exciting cookbook titles heading to bookstores this fall. Like jazz music, it's been a part of American cuisine for, for centuries. Subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts and be the first to know when the next episode drops. Holy cow, I'm 150 episodes old. Coming up on this episode of Tech Bites. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world. Today, Thursday, September 13th, they are tuning into Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today is the best show ever, and also one of the worst shows ever. Let me explain. This is the 150th episode of Tech Bites, which is amazing. I never, ever, ever thought we'd get to 150 when I started the show back in January of 2015. So that's pretty exciting. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened in the last 150 and take a look forward to what's coming up on the next 150. And that's the super fantastic part. The kind of sad, bum me out, you know... um, sad face emoji part is today also marks the last day of Dave Tattashore, Heritage Radio Network studio manager, the one of the engineers of this show and um, kind of, you know, the Ed McMahon <laughs> on the couch. So we're going to, we have him actually in the studio, in the seat, with the headphones, on the mic. So this is what it looks like in here. Well... Oh, you've been in here before. That's true, yeah. Um, so we're going to take a look back with Dave Tat. Ah, oh, you're leaving us. I know, I'm sorry. And I can't even play a sound effect from where I sit right now. I know. Well, you could make them with your noise. You could wah, like human... Wah, there wah, you go. Wah. Human beatbox. So Dave, you started about a year after I did in February 2016. Yeah, I started the day after Valentine's Day of that year. Hmm. Why do you remember that so precisely? Um, not, not because of any particular attachment to the, to the holiday or the, I'm making air quotes, holiday of Valentine's Day. Just, I don't know. I guess that is like a, you know, a recognizable calendar. Hallmark holiday. Date. So yeah, that's stuck in my mind. It was Monday, February 16th. So. Or 15th rather. Can you travel in the way back time machine and think about (laughs) what you 
what your preconceived notions and expectations were when you started on February 15th? Uh, Do you remember what you thought it was going to be like? Not, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I, uh, I kind of accidentally got this job. I was, uh, in grad school finishing up. I was supposed to be working on my thesis and, um, I saw that. Wasn't working on your thesis? What's that? You weren't working on your thesis? I, I was. Okay. I was supposed to be working on my <laughs> thesis. And, uh, yeah, so I saw the job posting and kind of thought, okay, I need to just sort of practice applying for jobs again, like now coming out of school and like having this whole new uh, skill set and, and, you know, approach to it, like my resume and my cover letter, all that stuff really was in need of updating. And so, okay, like, yeah, let me try this and see what happens. And then... Uh, came in for an interview and, uh, yeah, like before I knew it, I was, I was going to be starting work here and, uh, I don't know, I guess I, I didn't really know what to think because it is such a unique space. Like my, my interview was over in the heritage foods warehouse cause we used to have our office over there and I remember walking in and like sitting down to wait for my interview to begin and just like kind of taking it all in. Like, what, what is this? I'm in a meat warehouse. Like, where's the, is there a studio? I had never been to Roberto's before that time. Um, so you, for people who don't follow along regularly at home, Heritage Radio Network was started by Patrick Martins, who owns a company called Heritage Foods USA. And that company is located around the corner. And it is a company that's focused on selling heritage breed pork, and pigs other, and turkeys pigs mainly, and turkeys I believe. primarily, and then lots of other delicious, organic, farm-raised heritage meat products. Um, but it's actually a functioning warehouse with, yeah. you know, boxes being packed of meat and big walk-in refrigerators and freezers yep. and hunks of meat and trucks and all that kind of stuff. So I too had a similar kind of oh, this is interesting moment when I walked into the. Heritage Radio offices located in the Heritage Foods Warehouse. Right. So this is basically a three-year exercise in how to get a job? Yeah, basically. And mm-hmm. it resulted in you getting a job? It did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't know what to expect. What, did you th- what were you thinking when you were sitting over there in the warehouse? Did you listen to any of the episodes before you went to your interview? Uh, I, I, I'm sure I did. <laughs> Hopefully I did. Um, <laughs> I can't remember specifically, but, um, yeah, I, I just, again, I really did not know what to expect. Like I, you know, I'd read the job description and like researched the, the station a little bit, but then coming and seeing it in person, I was just like trying to figure out sort of organizationally how this all worked. And, <laughs> um, first impressions. Do you remember? I, I guess it was probably like, wow, they really are a bit of a pirate radio station out here. I mean, just we're two shipping containers in the back of, of Roberta's and like the neighborhood was, you know, I mean, it wasn't like totally wild two and a half years ago. I think it was, it had already been like fairly gentrified, gentrified. but yeah, but yeah, still. There were just, already the Chanel uh <laughs> quote, graffiti ads yeah. painted on walls. And graffiti tours throughout the neighborhood, which mm-hmm. are always still disturbing to me. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it seemed like, okay, they're, they've really got this sort of 
stitched together. And I don't mean that as a, as a, um, you know, criticism, but yeah, just, it, it was, it was impressive. Like, okay, all this stuff somehow works together. Like all these and somehow there's 35 elements. live shows a week all so, happening yes, here. Somehow. With these four cables and six pairs of headphones and, and four mics. Two and a half engineers. There we go. <laughs> so looking back, so almost three years, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. What was your, what was the thing that surprised you the most? About Being the here, job? About the job, the shows, personalities. What I was guess, the biggest surprise? Uh, I guess... For me, just like this whole world of food that was opened up to me, um, I I always you know enjoyed restaurants and um, I don't know I consider myself to be a fairly adventurous eater, but I didn't really know much about this world. And you know the one thing about having so many shows uh, is that you see such a broad range of perspectives in the world of food. I mean, you're obviously coming at it from a particular angle from, you know, food tech and, um, just every, every host, every show has its own unique angle, uh, on the world of food. And so it really was, I mean, I know Jack always said this, it was like a master's degree in, in, in food education, just working here. And I think that's, that's really true. You know, I've learned a lot of stuff that, um, as a more casual, uh, Eater, or <laughs> I don't know, eater, somebody, somebody like or a diner. Yeah, as just, as just like a casual uh, participant in the food world, I, I it would have taken a lot longer or a lot more effort, I guess. To <laughs> it wouldn't just be I mean, happening just, through osmosis. Yeah, while it just you were sort of came work. to me here. Um, so I was really, I'm really fortunate in that way. I, I've gotten this education. So Jack Inslee is the original uh, station uh, studio manager who is now in DC running a radio station called Full Service Radio out of the Line Hotel, That's I right. believe. If you're mm-hmm. down there, I believe the studio's in the lobby. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, at some point, I hope to make it down there and maybe be a guest on one of the shows. Same. So hope you're have you have you of of course I'm ass- I'm assuming that Jack listens faithfully to every single <laughs> episode of Tech Bites. I just was chatting with Jack yesterday. He didn't realize I was leaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot going on, especially when you're down in DC. Yeah, it's true. So is there anything that you can point to significantly that you have changed in your food life since your time working here? I know as an example, when we did the show on, and this was before your time, but the show on our delivery service is bad for restaurants. And we Mm. had a couple independent restaurant owners talk about Seamless and some other things. And for a particular kind of restaurant, a single independent operator, something like Seamless is really taking a significant portion of their profit out of their pocket because they charge upwards of 15, 20% per Mm -hmm. order, which is basically the money that they make. And so it was really, um, it's it's a very powerful episode and um, they basically talk about feeling obligated to be on the platforms or else they would lose business even though they're only making 80% of the money that they could make. Right, right. And after that, when I was walking out of the studio, Jack said, wow, you know, that he had never thought about that and he was going to stop using Seamless Mm. Immediamente. Wow. And, you know, that was just a, I mean, that was a a direct correlation. But is there anything generally that you can think about that you used to do two, three years ago with your food that you don't do now or some new thing that you discovered that you can't live without? Well, I definitely cook now. Really? (laughs) So that's a thing. Um, 
but also, yeah, I think just just being made aware of these um, these issues in the world of food that are very topical, like the seamless thing, for example. Another thing, um, the uh, sort of rise in no tipping policies. Um, I, I guess Marlow and Sons, Andrew Tarlow was. Or, or I guess more was Danny Meyer that really started Danny that, Meyer. and yep. yeah, and sort of he hospitality up on that. included, right, right. Um, so yeah, just like all the issues surrounding that movement. Um, obviously, we're in the back of Roberta's, and so we get this unique look into the world of hospitality. And I feel like, in a way, you know, these these are also my coworkers, the staff here at Roberta's, because I'm here with them every single day, and I've you know become friends with them and see the the day-to-day struggles and challenges that they face um are you a better restaurant consumer now yeah i think so definitely you I, tip I mean, better no, yeah i mean i always i i grew up you know in in bars kind of like <laughs> my dad was a bachelor were you a baby in a bar yeah no i don't think i was a baby in a bar but i was a like a preteen in a bar <laughs> and uh yeah no so i always grew up and then you know i have family and friends who have always been in the hospitality industry so you know i was surrounded by it at all times and it um it was always close to um close to my heart so yeah no i learned from an early age you have to take care of the people who take care of you Wow, that's always good. And regardless of what happens with the tipping situation, you should always be nice to the wait staff and your servers and the bussers and yeah. the bartenders and everybody. And who you're works not as funny restaurant. as you think you are. Absolutely when, when you're not. Talking to and you a know server. what? Nobody wants to date you yeah. either. <laughs> For real. Right. Favorite meetings, favorite guests, celebrity sightings, people oh you were really happy to meet. I know that. You know, I have sort of a running list of, of people that I would love to have on the show. And some of them... Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama, her husband, that, yeah, guy, that guy, Barry, Michelle's husband, Barry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love to have Mark Marin, podcaster who interviewed Barack Obama on his podcast, yeah. WTF, um, which is an amazing two-part episode. I would love to have Michael Barbaro, who mm. hosts the New York Times podcast, The Daily. It's not really food tech, but he's a podcaster. He has a great interview voice. Mm. Um, I really love that podcast. I did get to have Nathan Mirvold on my show, and he was one of the top sort okay. of food tech guys that I was interested in having yeah, because he's get. so interesting. And, you know, I'm usually pretty at ease interviewing people and talking. I was really wanting to be smart when I talked to him. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Because <laughs> he, what, has double master's degrees by the time he's like PhDs. 15 yeah, or something in, in like that. Like and he worked with Stephen Hawking. And I mean, he's just incredibly smart, but very passionate. Yeah. Very passionate. That's one of my favorite episodes, I think, looking back is the Nathan Mirafold episode. He loves bread. Absolutely. And pizza. And pizza. So favorite meetings? Um, I think I'm trying to remember, like, uh, who's the most famous? I think the most famous person that I had the opportunity to meet was Kyle McLaughlin of Woo! Twin Peaks fame. Was um, he here Hawk and Wine? He was not here. We went to him. <laughs> Even better. St. John's Bread and Life. Um, and he, yeah, he owns a winery in Walla Walla, Washington, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very nice guy. Wouldn't give me any spoilers about the new season of Twin Peaks. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was cool. Um... Oh, we had uh, Tom Colicchio in here once, actually. That was kind of a trip. I mean, so I've always said, like, 
I'm the perfect person for this job because not coming from the world of food. You're very blasé about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't get really starstruck by people. And you I don't mean, know who most of them are? <laughs> that's part of it, for sure. <laughs> but also, I mean, even him, I was like, yeah, I, I've seen him on Top Chef. Obviously. Top Chef, right? Is that right? Correct. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, it, it makes it He's easier. He's also a chef who owns some restaurants. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. He's got that place called Craft. He's doing all right, I think. He started off at Gramercy Tavern. Well, he didn't start off at Gramercy Tavern, but really won many accolades and awards when he and Danny opened Gramercy Tavern as sort of the first American mm-hmm. restaurant with French style and caliber of service mm. was the impetus. Okay. And one of the sort of backstories to that place opening. Yeah, I just so... Craftwitch, that's also... I mean, yeah, like I respect these people for sure, but um, it's just it's made it a lot easier to do my job because I can like say, hey, yeah, that's fine. Like just... Great. Hey, Ta- talking to the microphone, please. Like, do what you got to do, and <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's been an asset for me. But um, yeah, so but it's been cool meeting people like that. Uh, Jim Leahy is always a trip whenever he's here. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 there's just too many. There's too many to list, and I can't even think of them off the top of my. I should have written this down, probably. But that's okay. Yeah. When we were when we were messaging about doing the show, uh, you know, it's been a busy week, as you can probably I imagine. I guess so. Tying up loose ends. Tying up loose ends. Busy week, and I'm going to do a long lead into the commercial break, so you can take the I'm short get walk up into and walk the quietly. control booth. We are going to take a quick break, like we always do, to find out who is the underwriter of this episode. Did you know that Heritage Food Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit? That we subsist entirely on underwriters, grants, and our members? Well, if you didn't know, give a listen to this amazing company that's helping us keep the mics hot and the lights on. Stay with us. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. Roth is in its 25th year of making specialty cheese in the rolling hills of southern Wisconsin. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning alpine-style cheeses under the name Grand Cru. Fresh Wisconsin milk combined with expertise in affinage is how Roth creates high-quality, grape-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Surchois was named world champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit rothcheese.com. If you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today we are talking about the 150th episode of this show. Amazing. Who'd have thunk that when we started back in January of 2015, we'd make it to 150. And who'd have thought that our studio manager and show engineer Dave Tatashore would be leaving us, which he is today. They grow up so fast. Oh my gosh. Well, that three-year experiment of how to get a job finally paid off and you got a new job. That's true. Yep. All right. So you have been a participant on this show beyond just sort of running 
the control panel and the dials and packaging it and pushing it out on Simplecast into the podcasting world. How do you feel about having been a participant in the show? The daily apps, what do you like? Commentary, what do you think? Yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. I mean, every show... I don't it, think that was in the job description. No, it definitely was not. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any expectation that I would be a... Jesus Christ. I can't keep these headphones on my head. It's, uh, I'm not used to being out here. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really expect to be a participant in any of the shows. Uh, you know, engineering is usually a hands-off kind of thing, especially coming from like the music world where I came from. Uh, the engineer is just performing most, mostly a technical function, and then also, you know, at the discretion of the producer, will be asked to contribute creatively as well. And so I guess that's, that is sort of a similar relationship. Like you are the producer of the show. And so you have invited me to collaborate in a creative way, not just a purely technical way. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, I do enjoy it. Like I am comfortable sitting in front of a microphone. It doesn't, uh, freak me out or anything. And depending on the show, like obviously, you know, there's different levels of involvement, but, um, that's what keeps my days interesting you know do you think you'd like to have your own show uh, i don't think so no really yeah i just don't really know if i had something really compelling to say um sure but i feel like that's sort of uh, yeah that's sort of the issue i think with podcasting in general right now it's just like there's so many voices and not go ahead ev- dave i'm gonna give you a minute you can do your podcast rant not every <laughs> you know i just go think ahead. The, it, the industry it. is so just saturated don't with beat content. around the bush just yeah. use all your words yeah the industry is very saturated with content there's there's this prioritization of quantity over quality um in a lot of cases i think uh that's not to say there aren't great podcasts out there but yeah i just i don't really feel the need to contribute to that to that din of voices unless i have something really compelling to say. I mean, I guess a lot of people think that they do have something compelling to say, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Well, it's an interesting phenomenon. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not just a, otherwise uh, I wouldn't be here. True, true, true. It's an interesting side effect of technology, I think, and how technology has created a different, uh, public behavior. Technology makes podcasting, possible and available to just about anybody who has a smartphone or a computer and an internet connection. Mm -hmm. Um, Similar to everyone has a camera on their phone, you know, and with the advent of things like Instagram and and photo sharing and all the photo editors, is everyone a photographer because they can take pictures? Right. It's the democratization uh, phenomenon. And in some instances, you know, there's a broad spectrum. In some instances... You would say, absolutely, there are cases where, you know, the technology being so widely available gives rise to voices that would not have otherwise been heard um, that become impactful. But then there's also just a lot of crap. I mean, let's be clear. Nobody needs to see like your to-do list and pictures of your cat all the time. Right. I don't even have an Instagram anymore. Really? Yeah, get rid of that. Do you wish that there was an audio social media platform? Everything is either visual or words. There's nothing really audio. You I don't do know. have SoundCloud. What would that look like? Yeah, I guess SoundCloud would be that. Well, right? what would it look like? <laughs> 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 no, actually, that, I think that's a good point. SoundCloud, really, and, and especially with a lot of young 
music producers who have been uh, empowered by this democratization of technology, SoundCloud now is the it's the arena for them. You know, like major labels are this antiquated concept. People don't care about putting out record or not Albums. everybody cares about putting out records in the same way. But it seems like for a lot of young people making music, the currency that they trade in is like likes on SoundCloud comments. That's all the currency. Yeah. Downloads, subscriptions. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing. I wonder what the next generation of all this will be. Hard to say. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite highlights of tech bites? (laughs) Oh boy. Well, you know, uh, there was this one really great episode where you had these two up and coming podcast producers on to talk about their satirical fiction storytelling podcast. So you actually do want to have a podcast though. Well, you did one. uh, Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me clarify. I I don't think I would want to do something in this format. Personal opinion. Yeah. I think like this format works, um, for certain people. I don't think it would work for me as a host. Um, so you did come on the show to talk Mm -hmm. about what's the story. It was show number 88. WTSpodcast.com. It's very interesting. It's a satirical podcast about a fact checker at a magazine who becomes disillusioned by facts making the stories and wants to make stories without facts. Correct. And we did this before the... 45. Current, yeah, before 45. Pre-45. Pre-45. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows what that means. It's okay. That's so, enough. That's enough. Yeah, I mean, we that, that wasn't... Post-Obama. <laughs> yeah, right. Pre-45. It's a post-Obama world. Um, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to say that we are some great prognosticators or, or, you know, that we were on the, the bleeding edge of things. But uh, it, we do find it very, I don't know, interesting how that all worked out. Like we had no fun, idea that it would be so, so relevant. It's um, a fun series. And I really liked some of the over-exaggerated stereotypes that you did <laughs> yeah. as the characters. Well, yeah, certainly our, we, we all play exaggerated versions of ourselves um, and then that was exaggerated. The cranky guy in the booth. Well, slightly, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you, typically when you're cranky in the booth, the mic's not on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't share it. I don't, I don't air it out on the air. So that was a great episode. Any other episodes that you remember, rememberable, something interesting apps. I was, um, and they don't have to be a famous guest or yeah, anything no, no. like that. I, I'm kind of hewing close to, um, stuff like this, I guess, sort of the more outlier type episodes. Like when I um, was helping you put together the no-show show. Well, actually, right. first of all, let me say the no-show show, I think, is a brilliant idea because <laughs> it's it's very meta. It's, it's, very, uh, it's very utilitarian because, you know, you need it for a very specific reason, like when so, a guest doesn't show yeah, up. The no-show show about the show. It was one of those instances where... The guests didn't show up, and it's stressful. It's really stressful to be booking guests for a live radio show. Um, And it's also part of why I have the engineer talking with me because, you know, I was just initially very afraid of being alone on the air. And, of course, you're petrified that the guest isn't going to show up. And it happens sometimes. I mean, accidents happen. People oversleep. People you know, can't make it, there's snowstorms, all that kind of stuff. So we were sitting here and there was a guest who didn't show up and I didn't have an episode 
that was recorded standing by ready to go. So we were talking about it and thinking about it and decided that we would do a no-show show about the show and we would record it and then we would keep it for the day that the guest was a no-show. And we actually ran it in July. It's episode 144. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's actually on my list of things I have to do today because we made a second no-show show. Yes. So before I leave today, I need to make sure that that is... Canned and ready to squared go. Squared away, yeah. Yeah, the, the um, no-show show number two is great. It's about no-shows in restaurants. <laughs> yeah, restaurants and live radio. I've never done radio. that. No-showed? Yeah, never no-showed. Although I guess I don't often go to places that require a reservation, so... Yeah, yeah well, it. people cherry-pick or forget or, yeah. you know... Although with the advent of apps, it makes it easier. So the no-show show, you like that one? Yeah, I love that. Um, oh, but I was going to say when I was helping you edit that together, I had to go back to a previous show where you interviewed Jack Inslee and DJ Uptown Nico. Um, so that was cool to hear. That was the DJ takeover show. Yeah, yeah. To hear the um, the men behind the curtain. Uh, obviously, I identify with that. So That was a great episode. And the, the two of them together do a live set. At the in, the in the middle of the show that's about 20, 25 minutes, which is really good. I actually yeah. listen to that sometimes when I'm on my commute. I think it's important to get to know the people who make the show, not just me, but all of the participants, because you do have input. I mean, technically, you're the engineer, um, but we talk about what do you think about this idea for a show? How was that? Yeah. What do you think about this ending or opening or cold drop or what should we do sometimes you know being the host and producer is is tough because you need you know a second person sometimes to bounce ideas off of and get a read on you know sometimes you think it's great but maybe it's not or maybe you didn't think it was particularly interesting but it was a revelation to somebody else so it's really helpful and I think you know you participate in the show you should you know, people should know you a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And also, like, I think that's a part of the, uh, the, the growth of the technology is that these roles are, there's a lot more overlap. Like, the engineer and producer roles are able to overlap a lot more. Um, whereas, I don't know, like, to use the music industry example again, like, in the early days of, I mean, if you think of, like, the classic, like, golden age of, like, you have like the A and R person, the producer, the the engineer. These were all like very clearly defined roles, and they, um, you know, worked together. But they were very the the division of labor was much more uh, uh, strict. And now that's those lines are are totally blurred. Yeah, it's all kind of melding together, yeah. multitasking, multifaceted. So we did one fifty on the shows. I mean, it's totally possible that. I'll do 150 more. I mean, that'd be another almost three years. So that would put me into wow. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. By my calendar. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> where, so Jen, let me, let me turn the mic on you for a Where do you see yourself in three years? Where do you see yourself in five years? In my job interview at the new place, I did that. I turned like when they asked oh, did me. They, is that part of why? I was like, uh, uh, this, this is pretty slick, I thought. I was like, yeah, you know, everybody, it's like a cliche to, uh, to get that question in job interview. They didn't ask me this, but I was like, yeah, that's like a well-known job interview cliche. Like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I always found that really difficult to answer as like a person. But 
for you guys running a business, obviously you have to have some sort of five-year business long-term plan. plan. So yeah, where do you see the company in five years? And they were like, oh, wow, that's a really good question. Oh. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Thank you. He's a smart one. <laughs> anyway, has, sorry. He where has do you, a cognitive thought process. So where do you see yourself in five years? Well, you know, I was walking through Union Square Park in Manhattan not too long ago. And I was walking from Soho to Chelsea, where I live. And it was right around the time of graduation. So I guess it was May, uh, mm -hmm. graduation for New York University, NYU, because it's all around Washington Square Park and in the village. There are a lot of uh, college kids in their purple graduation robes, taking pictures with family members. Yeah. And it was really lovely. And I was thinking that, wow, I really haven't gone that far. I haven't really gotten that far in life. I went to NYU. I was one of those kids in the purple robe at one point taking pictures, although not with my phone. <laughs> and I'm, you know, years later walking through the park, I live not too far from where I went to college. I moved away to Paris for a few years and then came back. But I mean, where am I going to be in five years? I'm probably going to be in New York City, downtown. I'll probably still be in Chelsea. Yeah. I have a rent stabilized apartment. Ooh. I'll probably be there forever. Um, you know, and when you live in New York and you have the opportunity of all the things that that life brings you, the people and things like that, I'll probably be a very similar version, you know, of the person that I am right now. I'll be a New Yorker. I'll be downtown. I will be working in some sort of writing, arts, media, field i will probably continue to be sporty spice <laughs> you know always like training down at fight club and all of that Shit maybe club. i will become a trainer or a coach yeah that might be an add-on i'll probably hopefully i'm planning on you know still being married to that french guy oh yeah we oui. so probably you know eating traveling cooking cool so That's nothing stuff. nothing really uh yeah. No, no, no real like upheaval or, I don't, or anything I don't like that in your that. foreseeable future. I don't envision that. Yeah. Um, my life's pretty stable. Will I still be doing a podcast? Will I still be doing this show? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I would not have thought necessarily. I, you know, when I started the show, when I too sat in that Heritage Foods warehouse for my first meeting with <laughs> the leadership of the network at the time, it was Aaron Fairbanks, who was the executive director. I don't think I was thinking about show 150. Yeah. Yeah, how can you? I mean, and like I said, I really had no idea what to expect. I was just kind of going with the flow. And yeah, here we are. So we're not going to have the benefit of your ear and your advice and your take on things after today. Um, although I fully anticipate that you will subscribe to <laughs> Tech Bytes on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or any podcasting platform powered by Simplecast. I expect that you will subscribe, listen regularly, and leave a great, great five-star review. Five-star. But what kind of shows do you think would be great to see in the future? Is there anything you think we haven't covered, should cover? Do you like more of the roundtables? Do you like the idea of the software platform pitching to a potential restaurant customer? Um, oh, you I'm, mean with TechBytes specifically? Yeah, TechBytes specifically. Like, what do I care about the other shows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, in terms of topics, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, that's not really my... No, but you live in the world and you're interested in food right. and you have technology. So are there, for example, we're going to do a show on blockchain in about two weeks. Oh, that's um, interesting because I know very little about it. Blockchain's very interesting. It's mystical. It's it's tied to that wacky Bitcoin currency, and it is being touted as a huge potential problem solver for a lot of the significant food issues in the world today, namely food waste, hmm. food quality, transparency, all of that kind of stuff. And most people don't know what the hell it is, let alone yeah. how it applies to food. So we're going to do a um, you know, kind of blockchain 101 show. I so that's something I've been wanting to do for a while. It t has taken me a long time to find a person who could speak to blockchain initially mm -hmm. and then speak to blockchain in the food industry. Right. Um, so we have someone from IBM coming. Oh, which cool. I'm excited from their food group. Is so. it Watson? Watson's not a person. Not yet. Not a someone. Watson's a something. Not yet. We had Watson on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that, that wasn't to deflect the question uh, with the topics, but I mean, like, I, I was going to go a different direction and say in terms of the format, um, you know, again, the, the interview format, like, it works well. You do a great job of it. I think Thank you. I think also the future, I though. I do a lot of research. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think the future uh, includes more... Uh, more production value, like more highly produced content in the shows. Um, and I would like to see that. I mean, I think when, you know, when people listen to a podcast, there's that expectation now. Um, yeah, you listen to your Mark Marins or whatever, and then that's just like, you know, that that's going to be an interview format, a pretty straightforward thing. But also like, you know, if you listen to stuff on... Well, The Daily, they have, it's a produced show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, The Daily is a great example. interviews, they have music, they use audio clips. Yeah. And we have, you know, we have meet and three, but that's a little different. Like that's, well, first of all, not a daily show and, uh, it's not really a breaking news show either. I think it would be really interesting I mean, if we had the bandwidth, the, yeah, the bandwidth to do that, that would be really interesting. Um, cause there are a lot of, you know, very timely breaking news topics in the world of food that we, we should be covering. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I just, so I just think like giving, Putting, putting more time into the production of a show um, and maybe moving away from the live radio thing a little bit, but that's the mm. whole other... That's a, that's, a, that's a Pandora's box. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but more produced pieces, something you and I discussed, which we will not get to do because you're leaving before you had the opportunity for to sit down with me yeah. and go through really doing an excellent job in capturing interviews out in the world and starting to interview people at events yeah. and in different places totally. and bringing those back and then incorporating them into the show is something that I'd like to do going yeah. forward. What about guests? What about topics? Anything you're curious about? In the world of food tech? Yeah. Mm, well, the blockchain thing. <laughs> now that you mention it, blockchain. Yeah, um... Hmm. Well, I'm trying to think of stuff that you haven't covered. <laughs> well, other things I'd like to cover. I would like to do a show with kids. Oh, yeah. What kind of tech, food tech kids are using? What kind of apps they are using on their phone? Are they using the cooking platforms? Are they into the cooking services? Um, I, I, I don't really know many people who have kids. It's been, yeah. that's been a show I've been wanting to do f since the beginning. And 
my greatest barrier is finding kids to put in the studio and put on air. But I would be interested in, you know, little kids in grammar yeah. school, middle school. We have the Saxelby Radio Scholars who are high school kids mm. at the Food and Fan- Finance High School um, who have been on the show. And they're fantastic. And they offer a really great uh, perspective on things. But I'd love to do something with kids because they are our future. Yeah. And also, the, it really, it may, maybe it's like cliche, but they have grown up in... The digital such world. A, yeah, such a digital world. And it's so much more like, you know, we understand technology t- to an extent, sort obviously, of. but they are growing up. Their their brains are forming with such a greater integration of technology than, than we ever did. I mean, we were sort of f- more fully formed when we started to to learn these things. And for them, it's just an everyday part of life. And that, that to me is really interesting because... I mean, literally, they have different brains than us because of this. In, in so many ways. And potentially, actually, even different brains in, a, in an actual physical sense, yeah, physiological sense, totally, because yeah. of the different cognitive skills yeah. and things like that. So kids, blockchain. I still want to do some more shows on the tech gripes front, more roundtables about um, problems people are having with technology or voids that need to be filled by technology, you know, POS systems that are actually yeah, exactly. intuitive. And, <laughs> I know, you know they because have, we they have struggle a with that here at Roberta's food and restaurant focus, you know, maybe people from that neighborhood. I'm, I'm also wanting to do a show where people get really excited and maybe have an argument. <laughs> yeah. You never really had a, no, I don't, have really any boi- I don't really have any boisterous shows. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I could have a boisterous show. Well, yeah. You should try for that. Yeah, we also haven't done a Fighting Foodies B-side show in a while. I think we do. We haven't done one yet this year. What would that entail? Getting some Fighting Foodies on. Have you listened to any of the B-side shows? I guess not. So the B-side, there are two episodes, Fighting Foodies. The first one is people who are in the food industry who fight. And the second one was about the... You mean who fight like like you? Like more time. Okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then the second one was about uh, the first fight, which is the weight cut. So it was food and fighting. Mm. Anybody who does a combat sport, they have to fight at a certain weight because the belief is that body weight is really important to how strong you are. And so the only way to make it a fair fight is to make everybody be at the same weight. Right. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. It's true. Definitely. Just curious because it's so, yeah, it seems so crazy that you have to get to well, such we'll a specific do, weight. We'll do a little experiment. We'll we'll find somebody else after the <laughs> show and we'll all go outside and I'll push you uh-huh. and then the other person will push you uh-huh. and then you'll see what the difference in weight makes. Right, but does body weight, there's not like a one-to-one ratio there between body weight and physical strength. No, but somebody bigger is going to be stronger. Okay. So if I weigh 100 pounds and my competitor weighs 150 pounds they're going to be much stronger than i am yeah just generally so it's it's you won't be have equal strength but you have equal opportunity to be of equal strength gotcha but it's really the only sport where you have to hit weight officially legally Mm -hmm. it's in the contracts how much you're supposed to weigh for the fight um imagine you know if michael phelps had to weigh a specific weight and get on the scale before he jumped into the pool. I mean, athletes are always concerned about what they eat and what they weigh for their performance. But, you know, Simone Biles doesn't have to get on a scale before she gets on the balance beam. And if people did, it would maybe be different. So it's a really interesting correlation. So we did a show on 
food in the weight cut and um, had a woman who's a competitor in jiu-jitsu who's also a professional chef and a mm. professional fighter. Um, we do one of those a year maybe, so I, think, I feel like we're up for another one of those. I also feel like we're up for another um, disconnect from your tech, which we've done one about once a year. That's something I'm slowly doing across the board. I, like I said, I don't have Instagram anymore. I rarely use social media. I guess just social media specifically. I'm still pretty dependent upon tech in other ways. Yeah. Well, we have a couple of those episodes. Yeah. If you want to listen to those with some good suggestions on how to. There's a show on just how to start to minimize your tech use throughout the day. And then there's one. Don't take your phone to bed with you. Yes. And then there's one about doing a 24-hour food tech people fast, hmm. which is pretty interesting. <laughs> Um, and something I've been wanting to try, and maybe I will. That is all the time that we have today. No. Episode 150, and Dave Tatashore's last day. It's weird. It hasn't really hit me yet. Yeah. I feel like I'm just going to walk back in here Monday, You're going to show up tomorrow? No, tomorrow I'll be out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, any last closing words? Things you'll remember forever? Things you really want to forget? <laughs> What was the biggest surprise? What was the biggest surprise? What do you think will be one of the memories that you take with you? Like, and it could really just be something that totally caught you off guard or that you did not expect. That's such a tough question. I don't know. I guess just generally this feeling of, of uh, being a part of this, being an integral part of this whole thing and really feeling that love from you hosts. I mean, everybody's been really great and supportive and like I'm absolutely certain I'm going to stay in touch with everybody like I'm I'm still going to be famous in last words New York no 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 of course I mean like people say that but 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 really I mean like this has been a home to me for almost 3 years um I don't know I'm bad at like <laughs> bad at goodbyes do you, do you final words like, are so hard to devise do you feel like um your cool factor is going to decrease the moment you walk out the door yeah yeah totally Totally. I mean, I'm going to be going to work in Midtown. That's not very cool. Yeah. In slacks. Yeah, slacks. Okay. All right. Well, we'll wave at you. We'll wave at you (laughs) as you go by. Well, today is the last day that Tech Bytes is engineered by David Tatashore. I'm Jennifer Leutze, your host and producer. Our theme song is Nomad CPU Track by DJ Uptown Nico. We broadcast live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time from the Heritage Radio Network studio inside Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast and is available on your favorite podcasting platform, including iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Come back and see us next Thursday. I'm Jennifer Leutze, and this is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization 
self-driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.